Come and grab a seat and we'll get cracking. If you've got a Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. It's going to be one of those mornings I can tell. I can feel it in my bones. Yeah, see? The visitors are behaving. It's absolutely a terrible example. The, the guests are behaving. The, yeah. Very good. Well done. Luke chapter 9. Let's just have a look at this. When Jesus called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick he told them take nothing for the journey no staff, no bag, no bread, no money no extra tunic, shirt whatever house you enter stay there until you leave the town if people do not welcome you shake the dust off your feet when you leave their town as a testimony against them so they went uh, they set out and went from village to village preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. One of the words the Lord gave us when Kate and I took on the leadership of this church were some words from Genesis chapter 26. And it's in verse 18 that says this, And Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died, and he gave them the same names his father had given them. And what we've always taken that to mean is that there's this mandate on us, there's this mandate on this church, as one of the sort of founding churches of a movement of vineyard churches uh, across the UK and Ireland, uh, as the first vineyard church in the UK and indeed uh, Europe, that there is much that we uh, hold dear that there are things that the Lord requires uh, of us to, um, to remain faithful to and to cherish and to nurture. And as a church, as we uh, both uh, return home to this location, this is where we met. For those of you who don't know, we met here at this school for over 20 years. So in one sense, we're moving back, but at the same time, looking forward and looking ahead to all the Lord is, is going to do. We're mindful of all that the Lord has done in our midst over this past 30 years, it's a wonderful opportunity to remind ourselves of some of those, what you might call distinctives that the Lord has called us to as a vineyard church. Things that we're to hold fast to, things that we're to press into, things like um, the scriptures, things like the kingdom of God, things like the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, worship and compassion, uh, equipping the saints for works of service that we might be naturally supernatural and on and on and on, those sorts of things. And so over the coming weeks, the Lord would have us look again and remind ourselves of what it is that we've been called to here at Southwest London Vineyard. And so first of all, we looked at the centrality of the scriptures. Uh, last week, we looked at the subject of the kingdom of God. And this morning, I'm going to develop that slightly by turning our attention to one thing that's to remain absolutely central to who we are and what we've been called to and that is rescuers of men and rescuers of women rescuers of men rescuers of women as we as a church as we as individuals as we share and embody and demonstrate the good news of Jesus as we seek 
the breakthrough of the kingdom of God that we talked about last week into the here and now that we might see lives transformed we might see bodies healed we might see marriages saved that we might see people coming into the right relationship with the God who created them the God who made them and as we see the sovereign rule and reign of the kingdom of God breaking through and being made manifest here on earth now the reality is when most of us hear that our our calling if you like our mandate is to bring the rescue of the kingdom of Jesus to the lives of the people around us that, that we love when we hear that we're called and that we're mandated, that we're equipped and we're empowered to share our faith and the good news of Jesus, for most of us, our, our hearts kind of, our hearts leap, our hearts soar, and there's this resounding yes, there's a yay and amen somewhere in there. Because the reality is, most of us long, if we're honest with ourselves, most of us long to see that happen. We long to see the kingdom rule and reign break through in the lives of the people around us, in the lives of our families, the lives of our friends, the lives of our neighbors, the lives of our colleagues at work. We're desperate. We long. We yearn for that. Most of us are desperate to see people being set free. We're desperate for the, to see them living out the, the fullness of the life of the kingdom. We're desperate for them to experience some of the shalom of the kingdom that we were talking about last week. But again, if we're completely honest, at the same time, very few of us want to be the ones to actually do it. Does that make sense? We we love, we would love to see it happen, but we're not, most of us, a lot of us, not entirely sure that we're the channels that God should be using to extend his kingdom when it comes down to sharing our faith when it comes down to telling people about jesus when it comes down to stepping out and taking that risk to see the kingdom of god come and break through most of us many of us find a a a new and resolute calling to the quiet sanctuary of our prayer closets you know, it's like in that moment, actually, many of us would rather be sort of back office workers, you know, behind the scenes kind of people in the effort to introduce people to Jesus. You know, like most of us, we're, we're kind of happy to leave it up to, you know, the, you know, the really spiritual people, you know, the, the super keen ones, you know, the people who seem to really enjoy it. It's like, they leave it to them. They're the experts. And I will meanwhile retreat to the quiet, sanctity, safety of my prayer cupboard. And I I will pray for you. But I don't know that I really want to go and do it in that way. Before any of us start feeling too guilty, um, first of all, if that's you, you're in very good company. Uh, Because, uh, truth be told, apart from the occasional Billy Graham or J. John in our midst, most of us, uh, myself included, absolutely feel that way so as i said you're in very good company you're in company with me but many of us feel guilty you know when we think about our track record of how we've shared our faith and the times we've told people about jesus i kind of i don't really want to think about it that much because i kind of end up just feeling a bit bad and we end up feeling kind of guilty some of us 
you know, who over the years have given it a go, um, often feel pretty much like failures when it comes to talking about Jesus. And um, when we think about some of our experiences, we can't really even recall seeing that much of the kingdom of God extended, certainly not at our fingertips. Like, the kingdom of God seems to come, like, at everybody else's fingertips, but when it comes down to me, like, it just doesn't seem to happen. I've certainly felt those things. And so, um, in response to that, uh, over the years, sometimes um, I've kind of given up. I've just given up, certainly for a while at least. Um, And I've usually given up until I've heard a sermon like this one. um, And uh, I listen to it, and then I go home and I have some, out of some sense of guilt or duty or obligation, you know, that sort of kicks in. And I know that I'm supposed to dust myself down and again, um, which I try to do, but mostly with a sort of heavy heart and, to be honest, not very much faith. Um, Sometimes, just being honest, uh, sometimes over the years I, I, I try to share my faith and I just feel like a complete and utter failure. Um, and then, in response to feeling a failure, I'd kind of alternate between being uh, cross at myself for sort of cocking it up, and then cross at God for not kind of coming through. Sometimes, this is like a last-ditch desperate attempt, I'd even try to come up with some fancy theological reason as to why I really didn't need to try at all. And so, so basically what happened for me is I kind of found myself in this sort of never-ending cycle of what I call sharing my faith doom and gloom. It's kind of an upbeat message this morning. And, 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 and my cycle of sort of sharing my faith doom and gloom would usually start with me feeling guilty. Um, so uh, I'd feel guilty because I wasn't sharing my faith. And so because I was feeling guilty and bad about not sharing my faith, I'd then force myself to share my faith. So I would then, out of guilt and feeling bad, I'd get out there and I'd share my faith. uh, And usually it would be a spectacular kind of failure. It was pretty much a bit of a car crash. Um, This is an aside. One of my best sharing my faith experiences was when a guy called Jay Pathak was over from uh, the States and we were going out. We'd all gone out onto the streets of, you know, New Morden and Putney. We'd done healing on the streets and all this kind of stuff. And Jay Pathak was like a really, really gifted um, street preacher, right? So he would stand up in the middle of a street and start preaching the gospel and sharing the gospel. And people would literally come to the faith in their thousands and hundreds so we were saying, Jay, you know, teach us how to do this because none of us can do it. He said, yeah, yeah, okay, I will. Let's all go to Wandsworth Park and let's all be in Wandsworth Park and we'll start by worshipping and then I'll come and I'll preach the gospel and then you can see how it's done. We're like, okay, great, fantastic. So we went to Wandsworth Park and it was a really, really hot day. It was really sunny. There were loads of people in Wandsworth Park, right? We were there. James was leading worship. I was there. Loads of people were there. The only person who wasn't there was Jay Pathak. And if you're listening to this, Jay, if you ever hear this, we still have some unresolved issues. Because <laughs> Jay wasn't there. So I called Jay and I said, Jay, mate, we're in the park. Where are you? Oh, I'm shopping. 
It's like, why are you shopping when you're supposed to be preaching the gospel in Wandsworth Park? He was basically not planning on showing up. And so here I was in the park with all of the people from Southwest going, teach us. And I'm like, what? So guess who had to get up in the middle of the park and start to preach? It was carnage. It was like, it was almost physically violent, the reaction from, I'm not joking, there were people who were just understandably having a nice time in the park and there's me going, could I just have your attention? And they were like, no. So, this is sort of a confessional, I guess. I think it's probably very cathartic and probably very healing for me. I mean, I'm setting the bar really, really low. So hopefully make the rest of you feel really, really fine. Anyway, so I would feel guilty because I wasn't sharing my faith. And so I'd whip myself into a frenzy and I'd go, I must go out. I must try harder. I'd go out and share my faith, which would end up in a sort of car crash experience like that in the park. Um, And because my experience of me sharing my faith would make me then feel bad because I felt like a terrible failure. And I knew that it made the people that I was sharing my faith with feel bad. And I didn't really want to be making other people feel bad I thought I better stop telling people about Jesus so I'd stop telling people about Jesus and then a little while later I'd feel guilty about the fact that I'd stop telling people about Jesus and so then I'd go out and tell people about Jesus and be very bad at it and then I'd feel bad about the way that I've told people about Jesus so I'd stop telling can you see the cycle of doom and gloom so on and on it would go. My gosh. Okay. No matter how many conferences I went to, no matter how many books I read, uh, no matter how many people laid hands on me, nothing ever seemed to work. And all these well-intentioned resources and methods, they just weren't helping me or seemingly uh, any of the other people I knew who felt the way that I did. And so we'd encounter these different approaches. And so, first of all, there'd be people who teach on this. It's just going to be awesome. You know? Sharing a faith, it's awesome. It's amazing. It's going to be great. And this is a theory mostly espoused by um, people who are ludicrously charismatic, incredibly extrovert, uh, and they also happen to be incredibly gifted at sharing their faith, usually with complete and utter strangers. Like they have no hesitation in going up to complete strangers. And these people, they literally seem to see like hundreds of people come to faith. Because every time you bump into them, they're telling you in a really matter-of-fact way, which just gets my goat, about the fact that, you know, yeah, you know, there was this guy in the car park, and I, you know, I chatted to him, like, you know, on my way to get my ticket, and he said, what must I do to be saved? So I led him to Jesus, and... uh, (laughs) And then I was in, like, in the supermarket the other day, and there was this woman at the checkout, and she was buying a tin of beans, and she, you know, she got, I, you know, I prayed for her, and she got healed from a, a fatal sickness, and she gave her life to Jesus at the same time. And you're like going... <laughs> Part of you is like going, yeah, that's amazing. And then the rest of you is like going, well, why did it ever happen to me? Like, what have I done wrong? Meanwhile, they, they love it. For them, it's as easy as falling off a log, and they're sort of going, it's going to be amazing. The trouble with these kind of Christians, for Christians like me, is that lots of them are pretty sure that if the rest of us would just try harder, we would have the same experience. The trouble is, is on the very rare occasions that you know, we've been brave enough to step out to the proverbial boat, for many of us, actually sharing our faith hasn't been the, you know, such fun uh, that these people suggest 
that it's going to be. We've gone out and we've stepped out and we've shared our faith. And actually our report on it would be, it's terrifying. So any feeling of emotional excitement, it's just not enough for us to, to, to make us persevere in sharing our faith and talking about Jesus. Because it doesn't feel like a whole lot of fun. It, it, it's just hard work. It's sort of awkward. And so then into sort of, I think, combat the it's going to be awesome school of thought, along came the just be yourself school of sharing your faith. And what's good about this is that it at least gives a nod towards, you know, the fact that many of us do find talking to our friends and our family and our neighbors about Jesus kind of awkward and difficult. And so we're encouraged to stop feeling awkward and to just be ourselves, which on the one hand is great, you know, job done. We, we all just want to be ourselves. Um, the only problem with that, for me at least, is in being myself, I probably will never share my faith. For me, it just doesn't feel normal. It just doesn't come that naturally. So while I quite like the just be yourself school of thought, I'm not entirely sure it's what Jesus had in mind here in Luke chapter 9. Jesus sends out the 12. You know what he does later in in Luke chapter 10? He sends out the 72 and then he commissions us, all the disciples, and on through to us. He sends us out, and there's not very much of the, I'm sending you out to go and just kind of be yourselves. You know, Luke chapter 9 doesn't say, Jesus sends out the the 12, and then he sends out the 72 and says, preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Jesus says, go, right? Don't take very much with you. It's going to be pretty miserable, pretty hard work. You haven't even got to change a shirt, right? Some people will welcome you. Some people won't. Uh, and by the way, what I want you to do is I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out their demons and proclaim the good news of the kingdom. Jesus sends them out. And it, what's fascinating, you look at the 72 in, in Luke chapter 10. When, the, when they come back, they seem more surprised than anybody that any of it actually worked. They kind of come back and they go, oh, even the demons like submit to us in your name. It's like, Wow. Who knew? And so, in some kind of frantic frustration in terms of schools of thought, we end up with the last resort approach, which is the just get some guts approach. Get some guts. So slightly fed up with ungifted evangelists, someone somewhere has decided that at the end of the day, we're just really sort of lazy cowards. And so what happens is we get a strong, usually a strong biblical pitch um, and then anyone who isn't ready to just go out and try it until the cows come home is going to get black marked and blacklisted and lambasted. And meanwhile, sort of running through all of this, the, the kingdom's not advancing. You know, the, 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 the good news of Jesus is being kept quiet. And, and we're all stuck somewhere feeling bad. So... You're now all probably waiting with bated breath for my um, soon-to-be-patented, absolutely guaranteed, here's a fantastic pitch for a book deal and tape series that will keep me in the manner to which I've become accustomed into my retirement so that we've got this surefire way to tell the people we love about Jesus. Um, Unfortunately, I haven't got one 
yet. Um, all I do have, however, is a, is a question. And the, the question really is, is any of it supposed to be like this at all? Like, is any of it supposed to be like this? I mean, is any of that kind of stuff, you know, the get some guts theory or just be yourself theory or it's going to be awesome theory. I mean, is any of that anything like what we read about in the Bible? You know, just go back to Luke chapter 9. Is it what we see in Luke chapter 9? And In the Gospels, we read that Jesus saw the kingdom come with power. Jesus went around the place healing the sick and raising the dead and giving these kind of prophetic insights and revelations. He fed thousands of people miraculously. He set the captives and the prisoners free. And then you read in like Mark chapter 16, it says uh, that Jesus said that signs and wonders will accompany those who believe. So if we're to believe what's in here, you know, it doesn't take much more than a cursory reading of the Gospels and Acts, certainly, in terms of seeing signs and wonders. But our reading of this and our understanding of the Scripture is that the stuff that's in here actually is supposed to apply to all of us. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19 says, they will place their hands on people who are ill and they will get well. You see, what this is about, I think, is about learning to live a kingdom life. So that kind of backs on from what we were talking about last week. And living a kingdom life is about living life uh, every day with this sense of urgency, with this sense of awareness, with a sense that the kingdom of God is actually advancing. And it's advancing right here, right now. It's advancing all around us. And all we have to do is pay attention to what the Father's doing. All we have to do is pay attention to God's leading wherever and whenever we are. Because God's kingdom is, is, is uh, ex- being extended all around us all the time. And we, as followers of Jesus, are being invited to participate in the extension of that kingdom. Because everybody, and I looked it up in the Greek, in everybody means everybody. Everybody gets to play. We all get to play. In Luke 10, we read of Jesus, he's, he's already sent out the 12, and now in Luke 10, he's sending out the 72. And he's telling them to do exactly the same thing. I'm sending you out to do what? To heal the sick. And when you heal the sick, say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. The kingdom of heaven has come near to you. And as we've seen, the 72 went out and they saw amazing things. They returned with great joy. This is awesome. I love this. This is amazing. Because of what they did in his name. In exactly the same way, the kingdom is near. The kingdom is close to us all the time. The kingdom is breaking through every minute of every day. If only we have the eyes to see it. It's around us. It's advancing. The rule and the reign of the King of kings and the Lord of lords is being established right here, right now, in this place, in your lives. Can we hear it? Can we feel it? Can we sense it? Can we discern it? Can we see it? Because it's happening. The kingdom of God is advancing right here, right now, in the youth. Just across there. It's happening with those of you who've got kids in Vineyard Kids. 
in exactly the same way it happens on a Tuesday. You know, you knock through this wall and we've got a community space on the Ashburton Estate, the yard. The kingdom of God is advancing every Tuesday at Job Club and every Sunday and every Wednesday at Food Bank and every Thursday during counseling and every Thursday during um, big, uh, little fish, big fish, fried fish, deep fat fried fish, fish. What? Little fish. Little, little fish. As it is in your small group on a Wednesday or Thursday or a Monday or a Tuesday or a Friday or a Saturday. As it is at your workplace. Every single time you're at your office or your place of work, are we tuned into what the Father is doing in our workplaces? The kingdom of God is extended in the same way the kingdom of God is extending right here, right now. The kingdom of God is being extended at the school gate. When you go to the school gate, the kingdom of God is being extended in that place. If only we have an eye for it and an ear for it, the kingdom of God is being extended in your homes. The kingdom of God is being extended in your families. Do you see the kingdom of God advancing? Can you hear the kingdom of God advancing? Are we aware, are we mindful of the kingdom of God advancing relentlessly all around us all the time? The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing. And so every single day becomes this opportunity, an opportunity for us to listen. Just listen, dial in, tune in to the Holy Spirit. Say, what are you up to now? Father, what are you doing now? What are you doing here? What's going on? What else is going on? What's going on beyond what I can see? Through the eyes of faith, through the ears of faith, what is the Father doing? And what do you want me to do as a result of it? As disciples of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, every single day is an opportunity where we may get to see healing. Every crisis has got a potential for breakthrough. Every broken heart has the possibility of experiencing God's healing power. I think it was Wimber who said that the, the meeting place is the, is the learning place for the marketplace. The meeting place is the learning place for the marketplace. And what that means is part of what this is about, part of why we gather together as a church, is so that we can learn how to do the stuff that we find in here, in here, but primarily out there. You know, when we're prophesying over one another, that's great. But it's only really practice on each other so that we can go and prophesy over the people who don't yet know Jesus, right? Because the people here know know Jesus, so they're kind of okay for a while, right? When we're praying for healing in here, that's great. We want to see God's kingdom come, but it's actually training so that we can take the kingdom out there to the people who don't yet know Jesus, so that we can minister the power of the kingdom to break through so that their lives can be utterly transformed. Because the people in here have already been moved out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the light. And so, yes, we might need strengthening. Yes, we might need comforting. Yes, we might need encouraging. Yes, we might need healing. But the people out there are still walking around in darkness. So our focus and our energy really should be, I want to bring a word of strengthening, comforting, and encouragement to people who are in darkness. I want to minister the power of the healing hand of the Father to people who are in darkness because I want them to move into the kingdom of light. I love that story about John Wimber. He founded this family of churches called the Vineyard. And um, not long after he had given his life to Jesus and started following Jesus, him and his wife Carol, they went to a, a church. And John had been reading the gospel accounts of, you know, in the, early, in the accounts of the early church in the Bible. And he went to this church. And after the service, he went up to the minister and he sort of said to the minister, so um, when do we get to do the stuff? 
And the minister sort of looked at him and said, sorry, what? Like, you know, Wimper said, when do we get to do the stuff? And, and the vicar said, like, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean stuff? Like, what stuff? What are you talking about? And Wimber said, you know, the, the stuff, the, the stuff that's in the Bible, the stuff that's in here. You know, like healing the sick and casting out demons and raising the dead. You know, the stuff. And the minister sort of looked at him and said, ah, yeah, that stuff. Yeah, we don't do that around here. They did that back in Jesus' day, but we don't do that anymore. And with a rather confused look on his face, Wimber's only response was, um, and I gave up drugs for this? You see, as we lay down our lives for Jesus, as we seek to follow his lead, lead, that's when the kingdom of God is being extended everywhere and in every way. We all get to do the stuff. It wasn't just for then, or it wasn't just for some distant day in the future. It's for today. It's for now. It's for this moment. Because on the cross, the sinless son of God paid the penalty that we deserve for our sins. On the cross, the sinless son of God, he took, in that moment, he took all of our guilt and all of our shame and all of our sickness and all of our oppression and all of our disappointment and all of our bitterness and on and on. He took it all on himself. Paying the ultimate price. Paying with his life so that we could have life. So that we wouldn't have to carry all of the shame and the guilt and the bitterness and the sickness. Da, 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 da. He said, why are you carrying that? I've, I gave my life to carry that. That's why that analogy that uh, Ella was telling us about from DTI about all the stones in the rucksack was so poignant and powerful. We walk around life, we fill our rucksack with all these rocks. Jesus is saying, I, I, I died to take the rucksack off your shoulders so that you could walk around uninhibited and un, unrestricted. You could walk around free. Give me the rucksack, for goodness sake. Lay the rucksack down at the foot of the cross. He, he died, he took up our infirmities, he took our sicknesses, our failures, so that we might have life Um, and that we might have life in abundance the life of the kingdom and having given us life through his death what he wants us to do is he wants us to live in and through the power of the resurrection he wants us to live in and through the the fullness of the holy spirit to take that life so that we can then go and invite into the fullness of that life those people that we know and love and do life with and what does that look like what does that life look like um, the Westminster Confession says this. It says, uh, the chief end of man, our, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. This is kind of part of our identity. This is, we're, we're wired. We're made for this. We're wired. We're designed for this. To glorify God and to just enjoy him. Enjoy him forever. It's a great description of what we as followers of Jesus are to be about, whether we've known Jesus for five minutes or for 50 years. Wherever we are in the world, our commission is to preach the kingdom of God as Jesus did. Our commission and our mandate is to do the works of Jesus as Jesus did. And rather than being whipped up into a frenzy and told, it's all going to be awesome, or told, just be yourself, or told, just get some guts, 
or whatever it is. What we actually need is just to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Having encountered Jesus, having surrendered and given our lives to Jesus at the cross, we just need his Holy Spirit to fill us. Truth be told, we need to be filled and empowered every moment of every day. As Paul says in Ephesians, we need to go on being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18, you know, don't get drunk on wine, don't get drunk and don't do all these things which leads to debauchery. Instead, guess what? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit because we leak. Jesus in his life was full of the Holy Spirit. And he's shown us this potential and the possibilities of this empowered surrendered fully surrendered to the father this obedient empowered supernatural life because as we've worked out by now we can't do this stuff on our own we can't do it by ourselves it's only as empowered followers of him that we can live this kind of life you know, the the disciples were were thrust out they were compelled to go out and to witness after the holy spirit came to them on Pentecost. And as we experience his empowering, as we experience and encounter his presence for ourselves and in our lives, as we experience his healing touch, as we experience his healing for our bodies and for our emotions and in our marriages and in our relationships and in the places of our brokenness and in those places of hurt, it's as we receive his forgiveness, it's as we receive his kindness and his goodness and his grace and his mercy that's when we're compelled to give that away to the people that we know to reach out to the lost to stretch out a hand to those in need to comfort the grieving to bind up the brokenhearted to share the gospel to pray for the sick to see his kingdom come so that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven You see, because what really needs to happen for change to come about in our lives is that we need to change. There's no strategy or tactic. It is quite simply about each one of us receiving the love and the blessing of our Heavenly Father and then allowing the fullness of that love and that blessing from our Heavenly Father just overflow and spill to the people around us. That's what makes the difference. There's no shortcut, there's no strategy to do that. It's, it's actual life with God. It's about us living actual life with God, doing life with God. And, and that's good news, that's great news. Because there's no, there's no guilt, there's no discouragement. It's, it's simply finding out a little bit more about how much God loves us. Will it involve risk? Absolutely. Will we get it wrong sometimes? Absolutely. But it's, you know, it's never boring to take risk for God's glory. Sometimes we won't get the reaction that we, uh, we were expecting or that we'd like. Sometimes risk pays off in the moment. Um, many times it, it doesn't. People don't always get healed. People won't always open their hearts to Jesus. But if we never take any risks... We'll never find out whether they're going to be open to experiencing God's love. You know, as the body of Christ, we talked about this last week, we live in the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Jesus says that the kingdom is, is both here and coming. Um, 
we live in this tension between the kingdom being present but not fully here yet. You know, and that, that theology, that helps us explain and understand why some people are healed when we pray for them and some people aren't. You know, we've all lost loved ones that we've prayed for. We, we've, we've all had to try and grapple and wrestle with our faith as we learn to walk in the tension uh, and live through the disappointment. But just on the subject of healing, we have to remember that whilst healing is a sign of God's love, healing is not a measure of God's love. Whilst healing is a sign of God's love, it is not a measure of his love. We don't measure God's love for us by whether we're healed or not, or by how much success, you know, whatever that is, we have. But it's never boring. When we're going on this adventure with God, we expect to receive words of knowledge and prophetic guidance and and see some of the people that we pray for who are sick healed and some of the captives that we see who are bound, set free. You know, but it may be that God asks us to give our money. It may be that through us, the expression of the extension of the kingdom of God is by us spending time with a friend or offering shelter or feeding the poor. Might mean God asking us to raise the dead. Who knows? Whatever it is he's asking of us, it's never going to be boring to take risk for God's glory. And while so many of you are already doing this, we've got to keep at it. We must keep at it. This is central to who God has called us to be as a church. And if you're not already doing this, I'd encourage you to just read this. Read the Bible. Read what it says in here and see what the Holy Spirit says to you about what you're supposed to do in response to it. Read what Jesus did in the Bible. See how the early church was empowered through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then ask the Holy Spirit to come and fill you and ask God what he wants you to do. God is looking for hearts of obedience. We must pay attention and be alert to hearing his still, small voice as we offer to pray for healing, as we invite the lost to meet Jesus. And why are we doing all of that? Because we're wanting God's kingdom to come. We're wanting his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And um, to help us with that, and to help us think through this a little bit and and pray through this, as a church, we're going to be joining with an initiative that's been uh, put together by the Archbishop of Canterbury, Justin Welby. Um, And we're going to be joining with churches all around the world to join together in prayer. And we're going to be doing that between uh, Ascension and Pentecost this year, which is uh, from Thursday the 25th of May through to Sunday the 4th of June, which is Pentecost Sunday. And we're going to pray. Uh, individually and as a church we're going to pray that our friends that our families that our neighbors that our colleagues might encounter something of the presence and the power of king jesus that they might come to know jesus and so in preparation for that over this coming week we're going to be sending out resources to small groups and to prayer groups just to equip us and to encourage us all to find different ways to be praying together and then over the 10 days of thy kingdom come which is what this initiative has been called we'll be looking at ways in which we as a church can be even more responsive to all that the lord has in our lives as we step out and see what the father would have us do Uh, but by way of preparation uh, towards the back of the hall there just by the welcome desk you'll see uh, the lovely james kite sitting uh, attentively uh, waiting with bated breath 
under the Thy Kingdom Come prayer banner. Um, and uh, we're encouraging everyone who's part of the Southwest, or even if you're not, uh, to go and talk to James because he's lovely, and B because he'll sign you up for a one-hour prayer slot sometime uh, over that 10-day period. So everyone at Southwest, you need to be signed up for a one-hour prayer slot. It's not too much. Don't, so can we please make sure that we all do that? Okay, um, if you don't get to get to James today, uh, A, you will have missed out, but B, you can do it on the website. Uh, and it will help... Um, it will help us focus a little bit more. And to help us focus as well, uh, if you go to James, you'll get given one of these, which ridiculously small cards. And uh, I have absolutely no idea what it says on there, but um, I think it says something like praying for five people. And on the back, there's a ridiculously small amount of space for you to write the names of five people with very short names, uh, with very small handwriting. And you stick this in your wallet, you stick this in your wallet, and then when you open your wallet or your purse, you're reminded to pray for these people. You should be doing this all the time, okay? But let's just focus on this over the 10 days of Thy Kingdom Come. And then also from James, you will be able to get a rather stylish little bracelet, and I'm modeling it beautifully here. Uh, This is also another resource that you might like. Uh, You can probably tie yours better than mine, because I actually realized I wasn't very good at tying five knots this morning. Um... This is a little leather thing that uh, they're encouraging people to stick on their wrist, tie five knots in it, a knot to represent each individual person that you're going to be praying for. Have that on your wrist, keep it there, and then as you see it, as it pops out from under your sleeve, uh, it will remind you to pray and use it like a, a rosary um, or whatever it is you want to call it. However it is that it works for you, I really don't mind um, Let's just be praying for our friends. Okay. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, I think. Why don't you stand?